everyone. Welcome to CEO class session. My name is Limi and I'm the host for today's session. CEO class is a global four impact initiative and we want to organize different virtual fire chat sessions with the greatest leaders worldwide. We want to inspire young people about their personal goals and growth. Today, we have the pleasure to invite Mr. Volker to tell us about his story. If you have any questions, feel free to put them in the chat and we will answer at the end of the session. Hi, how are you doing? I am great, Limi. Thank you so much for inviting me. <laughs> oh, Mr. Volker, welcome to your CEO session. I'm very excited to meet you and uh, a little bit more, especially because you have so many experience, I want to say everywhere. <laughs> You've been in investment, business development and innovative industry. And I really want to know like why. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Oh, sure. Yeah. So I, I'm a German-American. I was okay. born in Germany and uh, raised partially in Germany. And then I, <laughs> I moved uh, after my college uh, studies, I moved to the United States to the Silicon Valley. Uh, but yeah, so in, in Germany, I studied law and finance and I worked for Commerce Bank, which is a, one of the leading uh, banks in Germany. Mm -hmm. uh, but then I, I had the aspiration to, to leave Germany. I felt oh. like I didn't really fit in there. Uh, because I lived when I was 16 as an exchange student oh, wow. in the United States. Uh, and I really missed the U.S. And so as soon as my studies were finished, I packed my bags, uh, bought a one-way ticket and uh, flew to San Francisco. <laughs> and that was in 1996. There was no LinkedIn. Uh, there was uh, that in, the Internet existed, but, but not uh, the way it is today. So it was pretty much from a business perspective, non-existent. Uh, very different environment. Uh, and anyway, I, I settled down in San Francisco and um, I, I worked for 10 years in uh, Silicon Valley uh, in the tech industry uh, for a tech media company called IDG, IDC, uh, and then for Google, uh, AT&T, oh, wow. and in my last job uh, for an investment bank uh, that was focused on the mobility space. Uh, and that job actually got me to travel around the world. Um, I resigned in 2009 or 2010, traveled one year and with the aspiration to start my own business uh, and <clears throat> move to Asia. Uh, so I... So Asia has always been part of the plan. <laughs> yeah, you know, I started my life in Germany, in Europe, um, and then I moved to the United States and spent, you know, 10 full years pretty much uh, in the U.S., working, living there. Uh, and I felt like I want to do something different uh, because we only have one life and Asia was the next frontier. Uh, oh. And so I ventured out uh, and I traveled extensively. But I, in that year, I went um, pretty much all over the world with the exception of Africa, 2009, <laughs> 2010. Uh, but I settled down for Taipei. You know, I looked at Shanghai. I looked at Singapore. And I looked at Taipei. Those were sort of my finalists. And then I decided to uh, start the business uh, and move to Taiwan. Uh, not full-time, uh, but I spent a lot of time starting 2011 in Taiwan. And we set up a company called Yushan Ventures. Mm -hmm. Yushan, for those who are not from Taiwan who are listening, is the tallest mountain in Asia outside oh. the Himalayas. It oh. actually happens to be in Taiwan, and it's called Yushan. So we named the company Yushan Ventures. And we made investments um, and there was not a lot to invest in, to be honest. Uh, um, of the six investments we made at the time, um, one is called Lucent Sky. It's a B2B security software. That's actually still in existence. 
um, and uh, doing well, but the other companies, uh, they didn't quite make it. Uh, it was a little bit early. Um, and so, and, and I took that lesson learned and um, we started working with the Taiwan government and APEC on establishing a platform. Uh, APEC is Asia-Pacific Economic Corporation for those uh, that don't know. And that um, has about 20 member economies, not countries, but member economies. And uh, so we set up a platform, an APEC accelerator to, um, you know, use the government channels and resources combined with the private sector. Siemens and Intel were sponsoring oh, wow. uh, to, to, yeah, to set up this platform uh, anchored in Taiwan. Um, but then we had satellite events all over the APEC world, which includes South America. So we went to oh. Peru, Chile. Um, those are APEC member economies. Um, of course, we went to Southeast Asia and um, uh, to Russia. Um, uh. Uh, actually, it's also uh, an, an APEC economy at the time, St. Petersburg. So it was quite exciting. Uh, and that, that platform um, was in existence from 2012 um, until 2018 or 19. Uh, and hundreds and hundreds of startups went through it and were accelerated. But um, after my, uh, you know, early days in Taiwan, 2011, 2012, in 2013, I decided the island wasn't quite ready yet uh, for sort of Silicon Valley style venture capital investments. And we were a little bit too early. And um, I set up um, an office in Southeast Asia and in, in India, um, in the US, uh, in Germany, uh, only a few people. It was a small company um, uh, under the name of Usual Ventures. And we actually... Um, went in the business of technology and startup scouting. So we did some really exciting projects around the world, in Israel, mm -hmm. Korea, in Japan, in mainland China, Hong Kong, uh, in the United States. And we worked with big corporates that retained us and until today are still retaining us to work on innovation challenges. Um, and these companies included Coca-Cola, uh, Siemens, uh, Microsoft, uh, Google uh, here in Taiwan. Actually, we, we hosted Taiwan uh, Startup Weekend at Google and Microsoft. Mm -hmm. oh, wow. um, anyhow, so th that that got me to travel extensively, <laughs> nonstop. I had a I had a residence in uh, Germany and in the US and an Airbnb in Taipei all these years and and uh, rented a condo in Bangkok. So I was literally constantly for nine years uh, traveling. <laughs> Until COVID grounded us in 2020. Uh, but oh, just so that's before, the only thing that had stopped you. <laughs> yeah, COVID grounded me. Um, uh, I, I, I did not imagine I would ever stop traveling, Alimi. Uh, it was just a really <laughs> exciting life. Having these projects in so many countries and you know, being on the ground for a month or two or three in Korea, in South Korea or in Japan, having to establish ad hoc teams um, you know, coming in there with no brand, you know, nobody knew usual adventures in mm -hmm. Japan and it was not easy to hire people to work for us, you know, but, you know, we worked with Audi, for example. So that was the brand then uh, in, in Japan. But yeah, so very exciting. Um, but then in 2000 and, you know, and a lot of the scouting, I mentioned Coca-Cola and consumer mm -hmm. industries worked for Nisos in the United States, a big energy company. Uh, but what I, what excited me the most was automotive and I'm German, right? <laughs> So we like cars and my name is Volker, like Volkswagen almost. <laughs> I wasn't born in the factory, but I grew up near, near the factory an hour away from it. Oh, so uh, the brandy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so 
I, uh, I, I wanted to focus more on automotive and I miss Taiwan a lot and I wanted to go spend more time in Taiwan and that was in 2019 and the, the federal government gave us a grant and Audi supported us financially to uh, launch uh, programs called Mosaic Venture Lab oh, okay. and that is focused on proof of concept on helping startups that are in the mobility industry to get connected with uh, tier ones um, uh, if you're in the industry tier ones are the suppliers mm -hmm. the leading Bosch, Continental, Denso, you know, those are some of the Magna, some, some of the names, um, household names, actually. Uh, and uh, so we work with startup companies um, on solving innovation challenges, you know, oh, okay. utilizing, um, in this case, Taiwan's supply chain, Taiwan's suppliers. And then there's the, the, the appetite here in Taiwan that's, you know, really started with, with Foxconn getting more in the car industry. Mm -hmm. Um, to play a more dominant role. Um, uh, uh, you know, it's a, an island that is uh, very familiar with EE architecture and making yes. iPhones and computers. No, especially but... in playability. Yeah, yeah, so the... mm -hmm. yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, no, I was telling you, especially with the importance and potential of employability that Taiwan brings, it's very important. Yeah. And that's why we set up Mosaic Venture Lab. You know, I went to Germany on, on several roadshows in 2019 to promote our program and the concept, you know, that Taiwan suppliers matter. But except for Audi, nobody really wanted to buy into the story. And I visited all the car companies <laughs> and the tier one suppliers in Germany four times, um, four different trips in 2019. I went in and out of Taiwan 13 times in 2019. <laughs> it was a pretty crazy travel year. And, uh, and, and, you know, Audi got it. Um, and then, you know, it took another two years for Continental uh, supporting our program now because the car industry has woken up. Um, yeah. The semiconductors matter and they come from Taiwan. <laughs> uh, and uh, e-architecture, you know, you can rapid prototype here because Elon Musk um, is sourcing, the government says 70% of supply chain for SpaceX and, uh, and Tesla through Taiwan or Taiwan companies. Some of them operate in China, in mainland China, mm -hmm. but it's at least 20%, you know, so... Taiwan has been playing a role in automotive for a while, just the world hasn't really taken notice. And so <laughs> the role of our program is to actually advocate that. But yes. to fast forward, the topic for today is called is venture capital. And yeah. uh, since I have been in the investment business and the startup business for 15 years, worked for investment bank in Silicon Valley and, and for, you know, Google was a startup when I was there, mm -hmm. they had 800 employees. Yeah. Uh, so I, I've been on all of those sites. Um, but what I haven't had is actually a venture capital fund. And, and so sometimes, you know, Limi, it's, it's about luck and timing. Yeah. And uh, because <laughs> we established the Mosaic program, uh, we, you know, got some coverage here in Taiwan. Um, a bank came to us. Oh. And um, one of the bankers and said, hey, let's do an automotive, um, an EV-focused fund. And so we're raising a $30 million fund together at the moment oh, wow. uh, that's going to focus on the supply chain um, oh, and using okay. EVs as one of the you know investment focal points, but it's driven by sustainability. Oh, so that's okay. what we're doing at the moment. Uh, in addition to the Venture Studio, Venture Lab, um, we, we launched MoveTech Capital Partners uh, with an ex-Audi executive. Uh, he left his job to become oh, okay. a VC. And then we yeah, have a VC. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, don't continue. I was just focused. That will be for seed funding or Series A and B? It's pre-A and A. Um, oh, wow. It's 
post post a product. So the, the startups need to have a product already that we can then help commercialize because we're so connected with the car industry, especially in North America and Europe. And so we can help these startups to get in, okay. uh, which is not easy for the auto industry, <laughs> for the transportation no. industry. The barriers are as high as in medical. Um, it takes long time and lots of capital. And so to work for a startup with a tier two supplier, with a downstream supplier, can actually be beneficial because that supplier already has relationships with a tier one for the tiers of the car industry. The, yes. the OEM is the brand, um, Porsche, Audi, Ducati, okay. um, and let it be the motorbike, let it be the car. But then they have key suppliers, they call them tier one. And then you know, the tier ones, they have thousands and thousands of, of sub suppliers, oh, okay. and those reside around the world, but also some of them in Taiwan. And a lot of them in Taiwan are waking up to the opportunity. We actually teamed up with the government here um, with TITRA. It's the foreign mm -hmm. export ministry. And just this Friday, we're launching our second EV, CEO EV Academy for Taiwan uh -huh. operations to learn from our executive network in six Fridays, full Fridays. We'll teach them how to actually get in the car industry. So it's quite exciting. We had one academy that ran last year. Mm -hmm. And then we have the second one that's running now. So those are the things that I'm up to and what I'm doing <laughs> while I'm spending my time. Oh, no, but thank you. I think, wow, thank you for the quick introduction. I think you went like a 360, like along the whole journey. It's been a crazy journey, but it's definitely been a very worth one. And I think I like that it's kind of like unstoppable. And if it, if, you, if you feel it's going to a limit, then okay, no, now we go to an academy. Now we go to a next stop. So it's like a we won't stop section of your life. And I, I really like it. I, I like how you get one challenge, next what's challenge, and how you focus and a new market and a new segment and a new product and how you upscale. And in this case, why, why entrepreneur? Why, when did it all start? Did, was it something they identified in high school where you're like, do I want to work for somebody all my life or do I just want the knowledge and then do it myself? How did it all you start? Know, it's, it's, it's very interesting. My parents were actually not entrepreneurial. My father was an architect. My mother worked in the financial service sector. Um, and, I, I wasn't raised, I wanted to be a chemist when I was little, I had like, like a chemistry lab and I was, you know, building little cars that are powered by, <laughs> powered by little rockets and so on. So th that was what I wanted to be, but I'm not a math guy. And, mm -hmm. and so I realized quickly that chemistry is out <laughs> because it's more than just blowing things up. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when I was an exchange student, um, my host family decided for me that I, uh, have people skills and I should work in business development, mm -hmm. which is not a glamorous thing to be in sales in Germany. It uh, looks so I just glamorous, missed... but it has another backstory. <laughs> There's a lot of yeah, backstory. <laughs> you know, it may have changed, but in the U S salespeople are respected and they make really good money. Yeah. Um, so I dismissed, I was 16. I dismissed the idea. I went back to Germany, study law and so on. But I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't feel like that was my calling. And, and as I said, I just got a plane ticket and flew to San Francisco in, in not knowing what was going to happen. I walked around uh, downtown San Francisco in 1996 with a paper resume in my hand uh, for one week. Uh, looked at the tall buildings. I wanted to work in a tall building in international <laughs> business. Um, but I actually, my story was when I was a student, I started um, a, a consulting company with a fellow from Shanghai, a student oh. from Shanghai. And, you know, so Pudong was not Asian. built up. Oh. That was in 1992. Pudong was <laughs> like a cornfield. 
Um, I remember that seeing the pictures. It was not built up. It was way early. And so we were looking for opportunities for small, medium-sized German companies to work with China. At the time, everybody focused on the Daimler and, you know, the big companies. Actually, yeah. Daimler wasn't, in, Daimler wasn't <laughs> in, uh, in China, I don't think, in 1992. That was too early. Um, but other, other companies, Siemens, of course, and so on. But so that was my first entrepreneurial journey. We got some media coverage, actually, in the local newspaper and um, on the radio. And so we found two customers. But I was still a student. And, you know, and then I just disappeared to America. <laughs> I, I just didn't want to stay in Germany. And, uh, you know, the Chinese business partner, he got married in Germany. And his job was supposed to be in uh, in China, right, to, to help oh. us grow the business. But he wanted, and he still is in Germany. Uh, he then became a, um, a IT guy at Henkel. Uh, but wow. uh, regardless, and I wanted to be in America, so that, that business didn't continue uh, just from a geographic constraint. <laughs> um, you know, the, the Chinese guy was in Germany and the German guy was in America and the business was supposed to be between China and Germany, uh, China and, and Germany, yeah. Uh, so long story short, I went to America and I loved just being there and I did not want to go back uh, to, <laughs> to Germany except for visit. And that's what I did for 10 years. I flew back one week vacation. You don't get much vacation time in America. You know, I saw my mom, saw my friends. And, you know, the rest of the time I spent traveling in the U.S. for work, for pleasure, and uh, had a great life there. But then that wasn't good enough anymore. <laughs> and I got, I don't want to say tired of it, but I felt like I'd seen a lot. Um, so you need a challenge. Of, yeah, I've seen all of California, um, the cities, uh, the nature. Uh, I've seen the key, key cities in the United States and, um, you know, worked there. Uh, and I felt like there's more to it. Life is short. And that's, as I said, I traveled for one year uh, and then I uh, grounded myself in, uh, in, in Taiwan. And um, I love being here. Uh, at the time, I didn't you know, plan on staying full time and mm -hmm. I didn't. But now I am here full time <laughs> uh, with a virus outbreak and, you know, the business opportunity. Um, but of course, hopefully in the next couple of months, I can you know, go back to Germany for a little bit and to the U.S. as well. We have a well, team in both places. Oh, that's cool. But And I think it's very interesting how you naturally can sell your business. Like it, come, it really comes very naturally for you, especially to market it and see the big picture. And is this something that you, that you, that somebody show you, like you have a mentor that goes over that really gave you that backbone to actually have the foundations of it? Like, do you still work no. with a mentor? Let me, really good question. And everybody should have a mentor like in america especially <laughs> in silicon valley everybody needs to shrink uh, a therapist right if you don't have a therapist <laughs> and the therapist by law has to have a therapist so uh, in other countries again uh, like sales is not necessarily a glamorous thing in asia or in, in europe but it is in america uh, unless you sell cars, use cars. <laughs> uh, but you know uh, having um, um, a therapist actually not, not a bad thing there either mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, uh, so um, now, now I'm see I'm getting old. I, I lost I lost my, <laughs> my, my my trace here with the with the therapy. I probably need a therapy therapy session. <laughs> okay, so can you repeat the question for me, Jesus? No, no, no. Do you have any mentors that are going through your yes. journey? Yes. In addition to the therapist, <laughs> I have mentors. That's how I got sidetracked. Uh, business mentors, and everybody should have one. Uh, very very important. Uh, nobody knows it all. And I don't think Elon Musk knows it all. He's being challenged right now with trying to buy Twitter, right? Yes. So we can't have it all, and um, but we can try. Uh, trial and error, of course. Uh, A-B testing, as we see in the startup world. 
uh, but mentors are critical and I, I do have um, long long-standing mentors and uh, sometimes new mentors uh, arrive like as you mentioned I have been in different businesses um, and started different uh, ventures and you know you need sort of like the the, the support in the field <laughs> uh, <laughs> so absolutely yes and in this case I know you told me like you you are used to go actually your home is airports and airplanes and hotels so you go back and forth and you love it and current COVID-19 situation it gave you a stop and it mm. actually gave you a challenge I think and I want to guess that by the first week you were already like done like what's going on so what was the challenge and how can this bring to students uh, a new opportunity how do you say quarantine ground you for physically for a moment but actually made you get out of your comfort zone well i was you know i uh, january was crazy i was in bangkok <laughs> in january 2020 i was in bangkok I flew oh, so you made it for back three days. <laughs> yeah in january 2020 before COVID, so i was in bangkok i flew to taipei uh, then I flew to San Francisco. This is all January, and then I uh, in January, and then I flew to um, to Germany, to Berlin, to Stockholm, uh, to Singapore, <laughs> and then on February one, I landed back in Taipei and got grounded with COVID. <laughs> and I didn't have it, but um, at the time, but you know, the whole world stopped in March or so, mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, so that was a full stop. But you know, it, it wasn't leave me like because. I was just constantly for nine years living that life I just described and it got more extreme in 2019 and even January, 2020. So A was a breather. B, we did not know what was going on in the world. So everybody was just like focused on the news. I didn't really want to go anywhere, anywhere. And, and that until today hasn't really changed, but now we have a COVID outbreak in Taiwan. We're not safe here anymore. And so now I, you know, want to go again. Um, not like before. <laughs> Uh, it's not possible and like before anymore, right? Uh, it's just the world is just not as as flat anymore as it used to be. Uh, but I will travel again. Um, but it was not like, you know, I, I stopped and then I took a deep breath and like, wow, now I'm, you know, I didn't know how long this is going to go on. And, mm -hmm. and so I sort of eased into being grounded <laughs> mm -hmm. and then capitalizing um, on the opportunity of spending more time in one place building deeper business relationships to the point where we were approached to raise this venture capital fund together. Uh, that would not have happened, Limi, had I continued that crazy life of, you know, running projects all over the world um, because, yeah, you know people, but you can't be as in-depth, uh, you know, build a local brand, um, uh, right? Uh, and so we were able to do that with Mosaic Venture Lab in Taiwan in 2019, 2020. And then in 2021, we were approached by the bank Mm -hmm. uh, to do this uh, together. So, And in this case, what would you advise uh, the young leaders that want to be a CEO? What can they learn and what they can expect? Especially the soft skills and the leadership skills. What would you suggest them that help you? you know, it's funny you asked me wanting to be a CEO because that's, that's the topic of the podcast. But what people usually come to me for is, how can I become a venture capitalist? <laughs> <laughs> and I've worked with that industry since 2000 and, oh Lord, 2006. Um, it's a long time, almost 20 years, almost 15 <laughs> years, 16 years. Um, and there's no shortcut to become a VC. Mm -hmm. uh, there is no college exam that you can take to graduate as a VC. Uh, and, and so I'm not really answering your question, how to become a CEO. Uh, I rather want to answer your question, you know, how to become a VC. A VC at the, at the end of the day is a CEO. Mm -hmm. 
you have to have the leadership skills and so on. But both both actually are not jobs, and that that's where it's interesting. I mean, ask me how, what what does it take to be a CEO? Uh, you don't graduate as a CEO from college unless you started a company, mm-hmm. uh, and and you don't learn how to be a CEO in in, in business school. Right? They teach yeah. you all kinds of skills, but you're not graduating as a CEO. Same thing for a venture capitalist. You have to earn your way. And there is not one path. There, there is a, a fast track to become a VC uh, and, and uh, the fast track to a CEO. The fast track to a CEO is very simple. You print yourself a business card and create a website and say, this is my company and I'm the CEO. <laughs> and right? you got all the branding so, and the nice design. <laughs> right? The CEO is overused. Uh, are you talking about a CEO at a multinational corporation? You talk to the wrong person. I worked for AT&T, but I was a mid- mid-level manager. I wasn't a CEO at AT&T. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I meet CEOs that run startups for 15 years every day. I, I also meet senior level executives, not, not CEOs in these multinational companies, you know, and, and what it takes to get there is perseverance. So it's, a, of course, a, a college education. Um, it is playing the corporate game uh, to work your way up, being flexible, um, and also be at the right time at the right place and be lucky. Uh, so it's a number of, and, and work hard, you know, have, have a goal. So that's how you become a CEO over time. Um, a venture capitalist is similar, um, but there are not as many tracks to become one as to become a CEO. Oh. Uh, in order to become a venture capitalist, uh, you should work for an investment bank, which is a very, very uh, hard job. I've worked for one um, <laughs> and very long hours, 100 hours a week and more. Um, pretty good pay. Uh, so you work your way up the up the ranks through the financial services sector mm-hmm. uh, or if you have a great college background you can potentially intern at a vc firm and then you start as a, a vc assistant vc analyst then you become an associate you become a junior principal principal senior principal investment director and you know, it's sort of like a hierarchy but that takes yeah. many many years um, what helps is um, an Ivy League college degree from a business mm-hmm. school, Ivy League business school, business degree, like GSB, um, Stanford Business School, uh, Graduate School of Business at Stanford, you know, Harvard, uh, those, those top schools, especially Stanford is focused on, on this business. Every graduate student at Stanford is a CEO because they're out of their startups. <laughs> just part of the DNA. They don't all go, become successful, but every single graduate student at Stanford has, has a startup running. It's just part of the corporate culture or the, 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 not the corporate, the school. <laughs> um, so <laughs> the other way to become a VC is uh, like, think of Reid Hoffman from LinkedIn, right? He created LinkedIn. I was one of the first 10,000 users on LinkedIn because I lived in Silicon Valley at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, you know, he's a, he's a very successful VC now or Andreessen Horowitz, one of the top VC firms in the world, uh, AZ. Um, very, very powerful. They were very successful startup entrepreneurs that, that exited. Um, so that's the other path to become a VC. And, you know, so either you try to get a job at a VC firm and it will take you many years to move up to the partner level, or you come sort of um, vertical or horizontal in from, a, from the financial service sector, work your way up at JP Morgan or one of those companies, yeah. or you're a successful startup entrepreneur and you sell a company uh, and you take some of the proceeds, you know, to start a fund or to join a fund. Um, 
Another another um, way is uh, to become an entrepreneur in residence at a VC firm. <laughs> um, and, and the last way is if you're a second generation uh, wealthy individual, then uh, you know, money. <laughs> ask your dad uh, for some cash. Uh, and instead of opening a coffee shop and driving a Ferrari on the block, uh, you can <laughs> uh, you can actually start um, a VC fund. And uh, but you don't want to just you know do it 100 with your own money. You mm -hmm. will still have to convince people uh, to to invest. Money is not everything with a VC fund. Yeah. Right? Uh, if you have these so-called limited partners that give you additional money, uh, then they want to know what are you investing, what's your track record, uh, and yeah. so on and so forth. So that second generation person would most definitely want to have um, a co-founder that you know has some of the investment experience. Um, otherwise, it's as we know, it's <laughs> risk capital. It's already tough. Uh, for any VC, but if you don't have any experience and just money, uh, good luck. <laughs> Now, I wanted to ask you, because I think you're an expert, and with so many years of experience, you've heard this along and along and along, but what captures your attention from a sales pitch? What will you suggest to young leaders to work on, to avoid those rookie mistakes that we sometimes do, but we do get to those elevator pitch where our investor is busy And we're trying to catch his attention. What will you say? I like your questions. And you mentioned the word mistake. I picked that up. You know, investors like to invest in people that have failed before. Not too many times, <laughs> but a few times. Because that means somebody else paid that bill yeah. and lost their money on that lesson that the entrepreneur learned. So we like to see a background of the entrepreneur of having actually had prior ventures, if possible. Secondly, we like to have these uh, people that have had a, a job at like a tech, a tech company, like uh, a tech startup at a tech company like a Google or Facebook, just to understand uh, how these companies operate when they're bigger and also mm -hmm. they establish the network. Uh, it's all about the network in life, the unfair advantage. <laughs> um, so we're looking at the team and I mentioned already, you know, what's important for the team. Uh, complementary. It can't be just all engineers, can't be just all business people if it's a tech company. Uh, better engineers than business people uh, in the beginning, certainly for a tech company, but not mm -hmm. all is not so great because you need to market the product, find the product market fit. Yes. Um, so those are some of the criteria. Then, you know, the pitch deck. Can they actually present their story in a, in a concise way? And you'd be surprised how many startups are not able to produce a doable, a reasonable pitch deck and all you have to do yeah. is type in google best pitch deck you'll see the airbnb pitch deck the facebook pitch deck it's all public record and lots of from guy kawasaki lots of hits uh, um, tips and tricks how to launch uh, you know a pitch deck or how to how to launch a startup and how to build a pitch deck but somebody comes in with like um, a business plan um, mm -hmm. no not you know you got to talk the story and the language of your, your, your target market. In this case, if you're raising money, the investors are your target market. So we need to summarize a team that has traction and background. We do need traction uh, for okay. whatever the product is. Um, nobody funds ideas anymore. Um, and then we need a presentable story uh, that you know the team can showcase, can't just ideate or prototype Uh, but also have some traction and they're able you know, to, to sell their product. Uh, and if you can't sell your 
story to an investor, you know, you probably can't sell your product to, to customers either. No, and that's where we appreciate all the storytelling techniques that we learned back at school. <laughs> right. That, that, that's where it comes in handy in the PowerPoint skills. <laughs> now, once as an entrepreneur, once you find the perfect partner, the perfect partner to invest, how will you determine that there's the right VC fit? Um, so you saying the entrepreneur is picking the investor. Yes. Okay. Or the investor uh, picking the entrepreneur. How does that happen? Is it like a marriage where they stay forever happy? <laughs> totally. You know, uh, I like your question. Very well prepared. Um, it, it is a marriage. Uh, it definitely is a marriage, um, especially in the early stage, because 99% of these early stage companies fail. And so the marriage will fall apart. And then the question is, or the relationship could fall apart. You know, some investors will fund you again. But so for the entrepreneur to pick a VC, what are the criteria? If, if you can pick and choose, and hopefully you can, if you have some traction, uh, it's does the VC have a real fund or is it a dry fund? A lot of VCs run around and have no money. Yes. Uh, especially now, fundraising is difficult for startups and for VCs at the moment. So is the fund real? Has the fund invested in their competitors? Some VCs tend to fish around and collect pitch decks to actually look and feed them to their startup companies. VCs mm -hmm. never sign NDAs, by the way. Never ask a VC to sign an NDA. That's one of the reasons they don't sign, uh, they don't sign um, NDAs. Uh, but so you, you want to pick the VC, of course, based on the portfolio. Has this VC invested in your industry? And does the VC actually roll up the sleeves and help with connections, not just with money, but with connections? And for the VC, the criteria I just mentioned to you, uh, and, you know, and uh, sometimes VCs invest in long distance, but it's still a very regional business, mm -hmm. a very local business where you want to be in the vicinity. We used to say in a one hour drive, um, but that's sort of out of the window nowadays, but yes. especially with COVID. But so there has to be some kind of physical relationship, uh, uh, proximity, uh, and, uh, you know, for both sides, a mutual fit, because as you said, it's a marriage and do they get along? Is there chemistry? Yeah. So in this case, you're saying like, yes, money is important, but we also have to see like the long term. Because that's yeah, the money is important, but what else can the VC do? You know, VCs don't just invest. They, you, they showcase and demonstrate their network because the VCs have an interest to make this company bigger. And so they want to help. They don't charge for the help. It's, it's like they give you money and then they still work for you. That, that's a pretty sweet deal. Well, the mentoring included. <laughs> They do get some equity, so they own part of the company. And they get a board seat at times, too. And, you know, companies like Sequoia, um, one of the top one VCs in the world, along with Andreessen Horowitz, um, Sequoia is known to eliminate, I don't know the numbers, half of the 30, 40% of the CEOs they invest in, they're gone. Because oh a founder CEO is not necessarily somebody who can scale and grow a business. So some people are founders, you know, like I met, met, met these Uber employees years ago and Uber was branching out around the world and they were called launchers. Uh, and that's a t certain type that goes in the market, launches Uber and then done onto the next country or onto the next job. They don't want to stay with Uber when it grows bigger. And that's the same again for, for CEOs. So be aware. And, and, you know, if you want to be CEO for your startup forever, be smart about the investor you pick. <laughs> Check check that record as well. Yes, I think it's always very interesting, especially I think 
we all know the startup and entrepreneur and we can visualize their journey, but what happens when they're ready to expand, when they're ready to go from series A to series B and all the way to series C. And that's where the fundamentals actually are important. And in this case, what are the significant resources that you actually go like blogs, books, uh, that you consider to keep on top of the game? Uh, conferences, you know, mm -hmm. connecting with industry peers, um, following podcasts, you know, as we are <laughs> idle on the move, um, uh, most definitely. Um, and, and, and then, you know, being on LinkedIn, LinkedIn, anybody who listens, this is a, for mainly for students, this podcast <laughs> should have an active, like you, you have a very active, phenomenal LinkedIn profile yeah. that where there's actually activity going on, not just a profile, but actually activity with a decent mm -hmm. picture, uh, and, you know, and a good story and, you know, get internships going. If you're a student, don't procrastinate. Don't be running the student club. Nobody cares when, when you have job interviews, if you're president <laughs> of the student clubs. Get real jobs, unpaid or paid, while you're an intern. I worked three months unpaid when I came to America. I didn't have a work permit. There was no other way. Uh, maybe it was six months. I don't know, 25, 26 years ago, a long time ago. But it was quite a while. And I didn't work five days a week. I worked six days a week. Oh, wow. And not eight hours a day. It was 12 and 18 hours a day. I had to prove myself um, and I did. And I got, you know, I became a citizen in the end, but that's what it takes. Um, yeah, so, you know, roll up the sleeves. Um, and, and <laughs> Get again, their hands uh, dirty. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, just be out there and, and exchange notes, uh, you know, like speak to industry peers, look at what your uh, fellow investors are investing in. I mean, you know, conferences, pitch events, attending pitch events virtually or in, in person. Uh, Believe me, there's so many ways to stay in touch with the world nowadays and with the market. It's almost like, you know, an information overflow <laughs> and, and what's most effective. And there's no, there's no answer. Like, it's like, there's no answer how to become a CEO. There's no answer how to become a VC. <laughs> there's no answer how you get your information. Everybody learns different. And, you know, all we can do is, and what I just did, we can outline some of the tools and then people have to decide, do they want to travel to a conference? Do they want to do it online? Do they want to read books? You know, but a combination of all of it, um, you know, like entrepreneurship, uh, entrepreneurial books, you know, like the Nike co-founder, uh, you know, like some of these uh, Nike founders, some of these books, Phil Knights, are just like, you know, the, the core, core basics. Uh, it's just good to read those and learn from other people's stories and get a mentor. Get a mentor. <laughs> no, what I definitely agree, I think. Oh, yes, definitely. You, gotta get, you also got to network that and got to pull of it. <laughs> but I do believe that if it was easy, it wouldn't be worth it. And the journey, it's not easy. But I think it's very important how we go back to your practical experience and how you have learned for so many industries, not just the banking industry, but the technology industry and mobile industry and how you learn from each. And you kind of become like a multitasker, like a multi-expert with different skills and then you're like okay let's put it together i can go on my own and it, it's really nice to as being young get in that experience and then set up to to go alone and from your entrepreneur circle who will you challenge to join our next ceo chapter fire session and why who is that person that we should be looking at get in their instagram follow linkedin follow and see like what are they doing um it's um it's a, a johnny and uh, is he he's, German actually, or... he's in or... Taiwan. He's a venture oh, okay. capitalist. 
and uh, it's either Johnny. Uh, he's a wonderful mentor and works with a lot of young young students, uh, students in, uh, in in Taiwan. Um, or Bruce Bateman. I don't know if you've mm -hmm. ever talked to him. Uh, he's very famous in Taiwan. Uh, one of the two, uh, and and both are very accomplished, and they like to mentor. They like to give back and. Uh, one, one is in the financial industries, the other one's in the hardware industry, uh, but both are constantly meeting startups and so on. But one thing I um, wanted to share is we all have to have a driver. You know, people always say, um, you know, why, why do you start a company? And then, you know, there's yeah. a, ABZ, but there's always a personal driver. My personal driver has all my life been, um, I like freedom. I value yes. my, my freedom over any and everything. And that's why COVID has been hard because it, it you know, stole, uh, robbed me of part of my freedom. Uh, and, and if something doesn't work and, you know, a lot of times parents run their kids' lives. Um, I lost my dad early on. So in some ways, you know, I, I got out of that trap in, 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 that, in that, unfortunately, in, in, that, <laughs> yes. in that way. But when I was studying law and I went to an intern at a law firm, I like, this is not for me. Um, and when I worked at AT&T, you know, like I was mid-management level and to move up. No, it wasn't for me. It took me a while to figure out that entrepreneurship actually matters to me. And I didn't figure this out when I, when I was 16. Um, and it's just keep an open mind. And if something doesn't feel right, stop it, you know, change yes. it. Don't complain about it. Just drop the studies, study something else, start a company or get a different job. Just keep that open mind. I think that is really, really, really important. Yes, and I totally agree, especially uh, I think sometimes we fail to recognize that something is not working. So we actually just stick to it, like a job, a relationship or anything. And it's it's about cutting it and going back to basics to what we really like. Uh, yeah. And it, it does pay. It, it does. I think sticking to something that is not or dusty does pay the bill and it goes plus interest and everything. So, so I do understand that. And uh, in this case, uh, we both we, we will check the questions and answers from our uh, viewers. But in the meantime, would you like to we like to promote uh, Mosaic Venture Lab? And are you hiring? Um, we're always hiring, of course. We're always hiring good and smart people. Uh, right now, we're, <laughs> right. We're, we're looking for people that can help us fundraising. So we get to our $30 million fund and can close that. Uh, always appreciate it. Um, mm -hmm. I mentioned earlier what we're doing. Um, we have an uh, internship program as well, um, where we look especially for people that are from the automotive industry that are interested in automotive and the car of the future, the iPhone on wheels, as we call it, or the Android phone <laughs> on wheels. Uh, and, and yeah, so always interested in, um, in talking to young people uh, about that. But, um, you know, find your driver. And it's, it's, I, I want to say it again, because it's so important. People will say, I want to feed all the hungry in the world. Yes. And they say that publicly. Of course, people want to do that. But then there's a real personal driver. My personal driver was not to feed the hunger in the world. But and I was not interested in building a, a big, giant company. I wanted to travel. And I wanted to make money while I travel and, and explore cultures. And that's why I ran around the world for nine years <laughs> and did all these consulting projects. That was more important to me than, you know, like staying in one place um, or then, you know, starting a company with thousands of employees. Um, it, it just didn't matter to me. I, I just, you know, sought my personal driver was freedom and yes. travel and, uh, and then enjoy the work and the people I work with. You know, if somebody has that personal aspiration to have 
a company with thousands of employees, then go for it, you know, but find your real driver and not like, I want to feed the hungry in the world. I want to do that too. Everybody. Or I want to change the climate, you know, of course. Yeah. Sustainability. Absolutely. We all need to do that. And our fund invests in sustainability. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I will do my portion there, but, but that is not the immediate driver. We all have immediate drivers. Is it food? Yes. You know, is it a relationship? Uh, somebody moving to Singapore because the person fell in love there and then, you know, finds a job. Just be honest to yourself and don't just tout in the horn of like, yeah, I want to feed the hungry. We all want to and we have to. But that is usually not the immediate, immediate driver. And, you know, you're not going to have a lot of people say it this openly. But frankly speaking, there's always yes. the hidden driver, the <laughs> hidden agenda that you don't share in public on stage. Uh, on stage, you say, I'm launching uh, this fund, you know, to you know, make the world a sustainable world. You know, I, I want to retire rich. <laughs> These are greedy, right? So as a side product, we're going to also improve the sustainability in the world. But I'm not just doing this simply and purely uh, to, uh, to actually, uh, you know, like fix all the problems in the world. Uh, that's, that's a byproduct. We all have an immediate driver because we have bills. Uh, we have family to take care of, uh, and, and that's where it comes down to at the end. So that was important to me to share that more than promoting my company, mm -hmm. uh, that people being honest and truthful with themselves and, and you know, fulfill, fulfill and follow their dreams. Uh, luck does not fall off the sky. You have to actually expose yourself to the opportunity to have luck. Luck's part of it, but it doesn't come your way. You have to be out there, and then luck will find you. But if you stay at home in bed, you're never going to find that job walking through apartment buildings, uh, through office buildings in San Francisco in 1996 at a state in Germany, right? So just got to get out there and then you will be lucky. But don't be saying, oh, my friends are also lucky. Uh, I'm not. It's like maybe you're not out there enough. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really important. Thank you for always giving the opportunity for students to actually get into internship projects and to actually learn about the BC and how you'd say like, you can go to school, you can go to a master's, you can get Ivy League, but you have to practice it. It has to be in the street. The street has to tell you failure, those little mistakes, those, and I kind of little, but I know they're bigger. <laughs> those are the ones that are actually going to teach you how to be a venture capital. And I have a question. And the question is, do you, how to choose or an angel investor versus a venture capital? Is it all depends yeah, I mean on the series or... Yeah, exactly. Um, so venture capitalists don't invest. Uh, there is like this pyramid. Uh, it starts with, it's a great question. It starts with FFF, friends, family, and fools. They <laughs> usually give you the first money with no equity, no paperwork. It's just like, go, just shut up. So that's <laughs> Get that's funny. <laughs> Here's the money. Just do what you need to do and, and you know, leave me alone. So that's the, that's the FFF round. That's where you start. Don't start with the VC. Then you go to angel investors that are high net worth individuals that sold companies, have factories, or won the lottery, and they just want to give money. Highest risk, 99% failure, 98% failure. Most of that money is gone for angel investors. And they give a lot. They roll up their sleeves. They help a lot. Then the next layer is the super angels. And then we're already <laughs> touching the VCs. So and the stage of the company, I mentioned our fund is a pre-A fund. An A fund, depending on where in the world, a pre-A fund, uh, a pre-A deal in America is different from a pre-A deal in Taiwan, the valuation of the company and so on. But so if you have a product, you have a product market fit and you're actually out there to grow and internationalize, then you go to a VC. 
and VCs usually are more international and, you know, they, they're a little more hands off than the angels, but they take board seats, be aware. Uh, you need a lead investor. Um, so does somebody who, uh, who's raising a fund, right? We are right now in discussions with the lead investor in Taiwan, hopefully fingers crossed, you know, and then once you have that lead investor, then everything continues. Uh, it just, that is the, the, the hard part. It's like finding your first customer for a startup. Same for a VC that's raising money. Same for a startup that's raising money. Uh, find that lead investor and then other people will follow. Oh, XYZ, Elon Musk <laughs> is your lead investor. Anybody's going to give you money, right? <laughs> so that's how it works. Great question. You don't go to VCs first. You go to angel. You go to your FFF, to the fools first, <laughs> followed by angels. And there's angel.co. You know, there's no excuse anymore. I traveled the world for startups for 15 years with the last two years in exception. And I always hear people complain outside Silicon Valley, everywhere. There's not enough money. That is not the case. There's money in Nepal. I know billionaires in Nepal. I had an employee in Thailand. She's from Nepal and she connected with somebody back in Nepal. She works for a fund in Nepal now. In any country, there's so much money. There are rich people and poor people everywhere in America, in Nepal. And so if you have traction, if the FFF round gives you some resources and, and the ammunition and, and the power to actually get traction, the investors will find you, the media will find yeah. you, and then you're going to find money. So don't tell me that wherever you're listening from, we don't have money here. No, you don't have the right idea. You don't have the right team. Yeah. You don't have the right traction because money is everywhere on this planet. That is not the issue. The issue is for you to bootstrap launch the product and not just try to get money first you know like you gotta in 2022 just putting 10 powerpoint slides together that worked for color the startup yeah. at sequoia burned 50 million uh, 10 years ago or so you know 15 years ago 20 years 25 years ago when i moved to san francisco uh, a venture capital round a seed round that didn't even exist was like maybe 50 million 10 million dollars today's inflation that's probably 100 million dollars incredible and you, all you had was a pitch deck because it was hardware. You know, it, it was just a different world. But today we can do so much with almost nothing. And you need to have that traction. And don't use that excuse, um, oh, you know, I, I can't find money. No, then you don't have the right execution. You're not the right idea, the right team. That's why you can't find money. Okay. And in this case, what is your philosophy to evaluate the business portfolio of a company and its business plan? It depends on the stage. Uh, again, oh, the business plan okay. is secondary. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's just a PowerPoint pitch deck and show me the product. Show me what you got. Show and me the traction. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was like this time from 2012 and I invested in a dating app. Uh, there was this time from 2012 to 2018 when you would not go to any pitch event without <laughs> having a dating app pitch. <laughs> and, uh, that, you know, I mean, not everybody can win. Uh, so what's your difference? You know, how are you unique? Where are your users? It's so easy to create an app, right? But why is your app different? Great. But show me the users. Show me the traction. That's what I want to see. I, I, I don't want to hear teams like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a full-time at Google. And if this works out, I will quit my job. Oh, no. I'm not going to give you any money because you're hedging your bets. I want somebody who quits the job and says, my idea is going to fly because I have the traction and I have that vision. So I want passion. I need to see a team. I need to see execution. And I need to see some traction. That's what makes me write a check and invest in companies. 
Yo, and I think it's really important because most entrepreneurs, uh, they go to idea network. Some of them, they're very good at selling, even if it's a product in any stage. But here's the thing. Once you get the money, you need to spend it. <laughs> and I think entrepreneur, and I think it's not a problem, but you need to spend it possibly because you need to give revenue. You need to give profit back. And what if you're not being honest and you were actually going to pay bills? Like, it's not just for that. It has different possibilities and it's like what are you gonna do once you get the money once it starts coming and once you're ready to actually expand and upscale i love what you just said it brings back an <laughs> anecdote when i came to taiwan to set up the startup ecosystem and there was appworks and our program at the time and it was really very few entrepreneurs and um we we actually i came from silicon valley i was the first person from silicon valley in 2011 to arrive and you know like advocate startups we brought startup week in taiwan so we made six investments and today's money probably about a hundred thousand us dollars for each of them and maybe even more in today's money and yes. i remember one of the startups where they got the money they put a picture on facebook of a refrigerator with all the beer around the world and like oh. okay thank you <laughs> the next one the next one actually quit his startup job as ceo and and went to silicon valley to work for a taiwanese startup in silicon valley part-time and they're like, wait, we just invested in your company. So I learned, and that's why I, I left and quit investing in 2011 and 12. It was too early. That's why I built a consulting business and, uh, and started traveling and spent, spent my money on traveling, not on startups. That was way too early at the time. But so that, that's to your, point, to your point of, you know, you need to spend the money wisely. And, and you know, that, that was just a naive, naivete at the, time, at, the, at the time from both us as investors, not understanding that, the ecosystem here was not ready in Taiwan in 2012 and yes. 2011. Uh, startups did not know what, what, why they were getting, <laughs> getting all this money with mm -hmm. like just a piece of paper. Uh, that was just like, wow, thank you. <laughs> and, and the investors didn't realize that the startups, you know, didn't have the education. So both sides didn't understand each other. It was just too, too early. And I believe you spoke with Mark Shu actually already. Yeah. He is one of my mentors, by the way. Oh, really? Uh, oh, he's a very nice. Phen phenomenal. <laughs> he's incredible. He, he, he was one of the first people I met in Taiwan. And, you know, he was investing in Taiwan. It's not, by the way, it's not only AppWorks and our company. It was actually Mark worked for a company called, a VC fund called TMI Labs at the time. Oh, okay. Um, from W.I. Harper. So uh, I have to, I have to um, uh, straighten out that record here. It was three players, <laughs> AppWorks, my company, and Mark Shu uh, at the time. So anyhow. And I think it's important uh, that you say, like, even with the risk and benefits, I think venture capitalists do love to invest on tech, especially yes. on tech startups because of their ability to scale easily. And that's where you need to have a solid business plan, a solid product, and a solid vision of where you're going. And if, if you're going to fail, what we will do? What's your backup plan? So what will you say as a final note we're almost getting to an end but what will you say as a final thought to our audience um i would just want to repeat what i said earlier it sounds cheesy but follow your dream <laughs> you know I, I live here in taipei um in a nice district in the shini uh, uh, daan district and uh in a nice service apartment and next to me is a um a, a cram school um uh, and i see on on sunday <laughs> evening at 10 oh, really? p.m I, I see the Mercedes pull up and uh, pick up their 10 year old kids Sunday evening at 10 PM coming yes. out of the scram school. Uh, that is not a dream. <laughs> that is a nightmare to me. You know, like get yourself freedom, you know, shovel yourself free, uh, live your life. Life is short and you know, uh, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to fail. 
and just get out there and uh, you can do it. No, and I totally agree. I think uh, it, it's a great setting point, especially uh, as we were talking before we started the session, uh, venture capital is a high risk, but it is highly rewarded. Uh, it's a very, it's a good game. If you like the game, if you like the hustle, yep. if you like to play poker, it's a perfect yep. game. It and is. It finds it innovation. Is. It, it finds innovation. It finds innovative ideas, and it keeps the tech world going. And it's a cycle. I'm glad that you like it. So, five years from now, where do you see yourself? Uh, running um, not only a thirty million dollar fund, but uh, hopefully <laughs> also a hundred million dollar fund. Uh, we're not going to stop with one. Uh, so yeah, I want to raise more than just one fund and then invest in different sectors. Uh, we have a great team right now. As I said, we have a partner in Germany, uh, in the US and here in Taiwan. Uh, and so I'm excited to grow that business. Um, and also Mosaic Venture Lab, Taiwan has a role to play in the automotive ecosystem. Um, the companies have not all understood the car companies, but in yeah. five years, I hope, you know, they, they will see Taiwan not as an afterthought but also and part of our work is in that direction. Uh, value Taiwan's resources, the semiconductor industry and the um, ICT industry as a critical component for the, for the car. So those are the two professional ambitions I have. No, definitely. And I think it's, it's very good to actually invest on the talent pool, on Taiwan's talent pool, but most important also on Taiwan's diversity and going bilingual and then going all through the trilingual and giving that to the space. So I think it's really nice. It's really nice that your vision and how you're going. And a little shout out to your team that it's very global, as you were telling me. So you got base everywhere and then you keep growing. <laughs> Thank you. You know, it was a wonderful interview. I really enjoyed it. I usually don't like podcasts. I know you I, told you're, me. <laughs> you're putting me at ease. I really enjoyed the session with you and very well prepared. And um, I hope, you know, people enjoyed it as well. Um, yeah, I had a good time. You. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time. And it will be a pleasure to have you any other time or suggest any friends so you get, you tell them to yes. be on the hot seat. On <laughs> the hot seat, yes. Yeah, it wasn't that that hot seat. <laughs> I have the AC on. <laughs> bye -bye. No, thank, you. thank you very much. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank bye. you so much. Bye. <laughs>